My name is Allie. I'm 32 years old. I am a pediatric ICU nurse. Um, I've been nursing for six years, mostly in um, adult ICU and transferred to pediatric ICU actually two years ago yesterday. Um, and I started my own business a year and a half ago, almost two years ago, teaching people how to pay off debt and save money and um, kind of go about it a different way than what other people had been um, teaching before. Mm. So when you do that transition, because like nursing and like finances are like almost opposite spectrum, made you jump from like yes. nursing to to investing and all that stuff. Um, so I, when I moved to North Carolina, um, six years ago, I, it was my first nursing job. I didn't realize the cost of living wasn't, it wasn't super different. Um, I thought it was a lot less. So I ended up in an apartment that was very expensive and I didn't realize that I would only be making $22 an hour, which was as much as I was making as a CNA. So I didn't change my lifestyle and I was making less money and living on my own. So I quickly realized I was going to have to work overtime. Um, and so I was working, I took a 1.0, um, I guess it would be position. So you'd work four shifts one week, three shifts the next on my floor. And I was burnt out by year one and, um, started kind of hating nursing. And I was like, this is like, there's gotta be more than this. Um, so I actually ended up kind of like reading some personal finance books and was like, I need to pay off all this debt. Cause I had $46,000 of student loan debt. Mm. And that was really, those payments were coming up and, you know, I had a car that had broken down and I needed a new car. And I was like, Oh, I can't, I can't keep doing this. So, um, started like just creating a budget and kind of got all into that. And then, um, maybe a year later, so two years into my nursing career, I actually met Kat Golden. Um, and started following her Nurses Inspire Nurses page. And I actually was one of her first mentees. And when I was talking to her, I had gotten into, um, I was in CVICU at the time and I was about ready to quit nursing. I had looked, cause I was doing ECMO at the time. I was looking into like doing perfusionist school or just leaving nursing altogether. Um, and she was like, we were talking about debt and I was pretty close to paying off my student loans. And, um, I was telling her all about this and I was like, Hey, like, this is what I've done, you know? And then I started sharing on Instagram and she was like, you kind of have a business idea here. She's like, you're doing something, something that no one else is doing. You have almost paid off $46,000 of student loan debt. You know, you're talking about this, you're being vulnerable. Um, most people don't talk about money. And so she was like, you kind of have an idea here. And I was like, eh, no, one's going to pay me for that. Like, it's not really a business idea. So I kind of waited a couple months, kept sharing. And then I had people message me on Instagram. They're like, how'd you do it? Like, and then they were just thanking me for being so vulnerable because I feel like so many nurses have so much debt and they just feel like they either have to have a, nurse, a travel nurse job or they have to work a ton of overtime. And then we get stuck in this cycle of, you know, buying extra stuff because we feel like we deserve it because our shifts are so hard. And so that's kind of the long story of like how I like just started sharing it, it kind of fell in my lap and I created a course. I hired a mentor to teach me how to create a course. And, um, and then from there, it ended up being like a mentorship, kind of like what Kat does. Um, and I do like a group program. And then I also do one-on-one -on -one coaching and I mostly cater to women um, because I feel like most women don't have that personal finance knowledge. Um, and I'm actually currently going through a divorce. And so, and I, uh, product of a divorce as well. And so I just saw my mom struggling so much, you know, to work so much overtime, um, as a nurse as well. And she gave us everything that we ever wanted, but you know, at the end of the day, you can only work so much overtime and make so much money. And if you don't have the financial knowledge, and if you don't start investing in, you know, having extra streams of income, you're, you're only going to get so far. So that's it's, kind of it, where it's interesting because when you go into nursing school and school in general, all, they always say, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just take the loans, go to college, go get your education. But they never tell us what's on the other side, right? How to figure these things out. So what do you think is like the best piece of advice or a mindset that you should have to get started when it comes to paying off your debt? So if you've already kind of taken out those loans and you don't start early, like what I'm kind of trying to tell people, especially nursing students, is to look at other ways to do nursing school. Um, but if you already have those loans, um, it is definitely to 
don't get in that overtime trap of working overtime to pay for stuff. I would say, you know, if you need to work overtime, work overtime to pay off that debt instead of doing the alternative. And so getting a plan and getting in the mindset of you want to pay them off an X amount of time, just because it's going to give you a big pay raise and it gives you so much freedom because I was so stuck when I had my loans working overtime and now I can work part-time and I don't have to work. You know, it gave me a $600 a month pay raise by doing nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, so just having a plan and creating a budget and, you know, getting started and looking at your loans instead of being the people who just say that you're going to have your student loans forever. If somebody okay. has like multiple loans, like it's say like a mortgage, credit card, school loans, how should they go, go by approaching like which one they should pay off first? Should it pay off the smallest one first or pay off the one with the highest interest? How, like, what's like, what's like the most efficient way to go about that? So there's a bunch of different schools of thought, but there are, is the debt snowball and the debt avalanche. So the debt snowball, you would do the smallest amount. So the smallest balance. So say you have a credit card, that's $500. You don't look at the interest rates at all. Um, if you want to do something that's more money savvy and it's going to save you money in the long run, you would want to do something like the debt avalanche, which is the highest interest. So you'd pay off like your credit cards that are 21 to 27%. Most people don't know credit cards are that high in interest. I've had people come to me and they're like, oh, I, I just know what my minimum payment is and I just pay my minimum payment. And, you know, so looking at that and doing high interest first definitely will help you pay it off quicker. And also it will save you money. So then also the school of thought where you shouldn't invest until you've paid off all your debt. Well, if you have debt like a home that's maybe three to five percent interest or you have a car that's zero percent interest then maybe you don't want to pay that off maybe you want to still pay you know your monthly payment but you want to invest and make seven to ten percent return on whatever you're investing in so it's kind of very personalized and it depends on if if you want to just be the smart like money savvy or do you want to have like quick wins or do you want to free up money because there's a lot of people who will do like debt consolidation loans and they'll end up with thousands of thousands of dollars in minimum payments with like not super high interest rates, but it takes up about a third of their income. So they're never going to be able to afford a home. They're never going to be able to afford, you know, to work less hours because they're stuck paying these payments. Yeah, I feel like many people don't know like the high interest rates were credit cards. Cause like you said, most people pay a lot of their things with credit cards and they just paid a minimum amount, minimum amount of balance. And they think that they're paying down their debt, but they're really not because it's actually like acquiring interest as time goes on. So people could fall into like the giant financial trap. And unfortunately, you know, the credit card company is not going to, you know, tell you to pay more than a minimum, right? So you kind of got to get your stuff in, into check. So from someone that's trying to kind of learn about finances, um, how would you like put together or how would you kind of look, look at your financials and, and how would you put them together and kind of see where you're actually sitting, which, which your financial status, how do you go about that? Do you like just write down a bunch of numbers and see what you, you pay for things monthly or how do you create a schedule for yourself like that? So first I would actually look at what you, what your assets and your liabilities are. So before you even go towards a budget or anything, because you can't create financial goals if you don't know where you're sitting. So most people don't even know how much credit card debt they have or how much their student loans are or what their minimum payments are. They just pay. And so I would first sit down and see how much credit card debt you have, how much student loan payment or how much student loan balance you have. What are your minimum payments? And I would write those all down. And then from there, if you're, I'm a pen and paper person. So I create a calendar and I write down all my due dates with the minimum amount. So anything like, I don't really have a lot of minimum payments now, but like rent, um, phone bill, uh, internet, all that kind of stuff. I would write it on the dates that they're due. And then from there, you create a budget from that calendar. Um, you can also do it like on a Google calendar and make it into a spreadsheet. Um, so it just depends on like what type of brain that you have, because I've had people who, you know, love tracking on pieces of paper and some people like to track, you know, on apps. Um, so just sitting down and just writing down what you owe um, is really powerful because I feel like if we don't create that awareness, because I'm very mindset focused when it comes to money as well. Um, so if you don't create that awareness, it doesn't cause that pain. So then you're not you're not like, dang, I, I have all this debt. Like I need to do something about it. 
Um, a lot of times we just ignore it and then we're like, oh, it'll go away and it doesn't. And so just that awareness at the beginning is very important. I would also say like as a nursing student and finishing school, you said that like you want to reward yourself with something, right? And I feel like that's the exact opposite of what you should be doing. Do you think that maybe starting off fresh into your career should hold off on purchasing a car or getting in debt in the first place and taking a step back, maybe not picking up more, more OT, but trimming the fat on what you already kind of spend, right? In a way. This- yeah, that, that's kind of funny because that's what I that's what I do first. So a lot of times we'll just talk, people will talk about just like, just make more money, just make more money, just make more money. And at the end of the day, that doesn't align with who I am because I value freedom. I'm a lot like cat. Like I love like doing different things and, you know, having time freedom and, um, you know, having time for my hobbies. And so for me, not being stuck in three 12 hour shifts, if not more than that, um, is very important to me. And so I always talk about, like you said, trimming the fat first. So finding out where there are leaks in your account. So like little things that you buy, um, you know, going out to eat all the time, um, all the stuff like that. So like, look at that first and then pick up the overtime, then add the second job, you know, but a, a lot of people just say like, Oh, I can't afford that. Uh, but they don't look at where their money's actually going. And so we also, if you look at your phone, there's apps that you pay for that you're not really aware of. So if you even just go in there and look at that, that will trim, trim some of the fat or, you know, stop up the leaks. And so I think starting out as a new nurse, you have to be able to see how much you're making, you know, know what, um, what's the word, um, know what resources are available to you as a new nurse. So, you know, opening up your retirement accounts right when you start, because that's something that I didn't really do. I like was like, I'll just start that later, you know, but the earlier you start, the better off that you're going to be. Um, time is on your side for both investing and being able to pay off stuff. So I would, I would also ask, so because we're trying to trim the fat, how do you stop somebody from being an impulse shopper? Do you have any recommendations for that? Because how often I feel like it happens a lot. I'm just, you know, working my shift. And I hear nurses purchasing yoga pants and, Oh, I just put $150. Damn it. You know, it happens way too often. So I have a couple of tips. So I am a um, self-proclaimed ex-shopaholic. I still love spending money, but I just don't do it as much. So some of the things that I talk about when it comes to impulse spending is one, I don't buy anything on night shift. That's just like a big no-no because your brain is different on night shift. I worked night shift for five years. I just, I just don't buy things on night shift. It's just not, not productive to my goals. And then another thing is you do use the 48 hour rule. So if you want to buy something, you wait 48 hours until you do that purchase. So say you want something on Amazon, you put it in your cart, wait 48 hours. If you still want that thing, go ahead and buy it. Um, another thing I do is I set aside personal spending money. And so once that personal spending money is gone, it's gone and I don't use it for anything else. And then the other thing I do is I make a list in my phone of wants and needs. So I, this is a really obscure, funny kind of story. So I had a lot, like had a leather jacket that I'd had for years. It was super cheap. Um, and it just ended up being like damaged and I like never got rid of it. So then I finally got rid of it in December and I was like, I really want a leather jacket. So I kept it on this list for a while and then kind of searched and searched and searched. And like a month and a half later, the perfect leather jacket popped up on ASOS. It was $400 off. And I got an extra, I think 25% off or something at the time that I bought it. So a lot of times, if you really want something too, you'll be able to find the perfect thing because you've waited for it too. And then it kind of weeds out like all the crap that you never really wanted. And so I think just being a a woman as well, I've also kind of curated a wardrobe that I actually really love and I actually wear pieces from it and I'm not as wasteful because I wait to purchase things. Yeah, the 48 hour rule, I've had like a similar rule to like as as dad when I came out of nursing school as well. But now I've noticed that as we're, we're like using technology more on Instagram more, like you go on Amazon and you put something in a car, like it's say like a leather jacket. And I feel like all you get for the next 40 hours is, is a leather jacket, jacket ads. It just, it just pops up all over your phone and it makes, makes it a lot harder for you to not to not succumb to buying that. 
Mm -hmm. that's probably a super hard thing to like like to do because if you want to buy something and you keep seeing ads over and over and over again you're gonna buy it it, right and night shift especially you know nurses are always shopping like every time not so much guys but but for females like every time i I go by like a nurse she always has like one tab for charting uh, one tab you know she's on amazon or like tj max or or something even our last shift girls were talking like hey did you ever shop online at tj max and then one girl's like no oh it's the best i I just bought a table it's like you just (laughs) bought a table at like one o'clock in the morning it's going to be delivered in three days i was like holy shit because i don't i don't really shop too much online and it was just it was so mind-blowing that a nurse just bought a table overnight while at work and so it's just it's 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 tough you know especially if they then you get retargeted by these ads it's hard to not buy these things Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say that not only are we fighting our own impulses, we're also fighting an algorithm that knows us so well, knows us exactly what we do. And that's just a double-edged sword there. So you were mentioning retirement, right? Can you tell us a little about how to invest maybe for retirement, how to choose the the best retirement plan, if you have any advice? So I don't know a ton about this. It's not like my specialty, but here is um, what I kind of have done. So as I was paying down my debt, I started increasing the amount that I was putting into my retirement. And so I opened a Roth IRA, which is a post-tax account. Um, and so you can contribute up to $6,000 per year after taxes. That is really important because you want a good mixture of pro- post-tax and pre-tax income when you're in retirement, because you don't want all your money to be taxed. Also, a lot of hospitals will offer pre-tax So it'll decrease your taxable income. It will um, give you money that you, it will, you can take out after retirement, but it will be taxed. Mm -hmm. Those are things like 403Bs, 401Ks. um, And the only difference between the two is one is a um, for-profit, one is not for-profit. So those really don't have any differences, um, but you do want to have, you know, a hospital sponsored retirement plan in addition to if you do make less than a certain amount you can open a Roth IRA and if you do work with a financial advisor then you can do something called a backdoor Roth so it's a different type of Roth um, for people who make over I think it's over 140,000 but I could be wrong because that's this is not my specialty at all yeah. um, and also I use your resources too because I spent so my hospital's retirement plan is through, I think it's called Valic or Valic or something. Um, and I sat on the phone with her for two hours and I just picked her brain and I was like, okay, so if I want to do this, how much should I be contributing? If I want to do, you know, if I want to have this amount of money, how much should I be contributing? Like what other accounts can I open? So definitely use your resources because that's what they're there for. And they don't just do retirement. I think they do um, life insurance, retirement, all that kind of stuff as well. Um, And a lot of people have never talked to their um, retirement reps at all. And so I think it's probably different. You guys are both travel nurses, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, But you guys, do you guys have like a rep through your company or retirement accounts through your company? There's a rep that we could speak to about that. Okay. We could also like do it online our, ourselves. Yeah. We could pick what kind of like Vanguard fund we want to put it in and, and what percentage. So I it. actually sat and had a conversation with her about those because mm-hmm. I was sitting there because you can either pick whatever your hospital or whatever your plan, whatever that they would pick, or you can pick your own. And so I kind of sat with her on the phone and I was like, what is the best one? Like, what do you think I should choose? Like, and you can talk to them about how risky you want to be. Um, so I would definitely use your resources because they are like a wealth of knowledge. And I never would have thought I would have spent two hours on the phone with a retirement planner. <laughs> right. It's, it's crazy yeah. when like, you know, life comes down to that point where you're thinking about retirement, you know, and like, it's part of being an adult, you know, you, you don't spend like your early years thinking about it. And then when you get a full-time job in your career and you got to start thinking about it, you just kind of get thrown in and school doesn't, doesn't teach you that at all. Mm-hmm. doesn't teach you any, anything like that. It just teaches you like, like barely even, even the basics. So if, if I'm trying to like put money in like a Roth IRA or like a 401k, is there like a good percentage to put in or what percentage of my income should I be putting there? Should I just put in however the company matches me or how should I go about that? So you can put up to 6,000 on a Roth IRA. Definitely suggest if you don't miss the $500 a month, which is about how much it is, um, definitely do that. Start there. Um, for a hospital sponsored retirement account, definitely check to see if they do a match. So I think my hospital matches 6%. It's great to start there because that's, that's part of your salary. That's free money. Um, so start there 
And then if you have debt, I would kind of wait to add any more, but you can contribute all the way up to, I think it's 19,500 or 19,400 per year mm-hmm. in a uh, pre-tax. So like, sorry, 401k, 403b. So if you can get there, get there because the earlier that you max that out, the less that you're going to have to contribute later on because it's going to be your years. So the way that compound interest works is it's time is on your side. So if you max out your 403B or 401k and put 19,000, whatever into that every year for five years, that money is going to grow and you're going to have a lot of money. You would have to do the calculator to figure out exactly what it is. I'm not very good at math. Um, So I would definitely suggest getting to that number as quickly as you can, as long as you don't miss the money. So don't put yourself in a situation where it's detrimental to you to contribute that because you don't want to pull that money out. There's so many people who will say, well, I can just take out a loan from my retirement account. Mm -hmm. That's not something that you should count on. Like I don't even look at my retirement accounts or count them as money because I can't use them. And if you do pull money out, you get a penalty. So I would definitely do whatever you can, but at least start with the Roth IRA and contribute at least the 6,000 per year and at least do whatever your hospital or company does for the match. So like they offer 6%, do 6%. Um, and that'll be a total of 12%. I think I've kind of done some toggling. So like now I'm at 12, I'm like at 12%, but then also as a small business owner and having an LLC, I can also have a SEP IRA. So that's a self-employed IRA. So just kind of figuring out um, how much between all those that you can put into retirement um, and figuring out what's the best plan for you. And you also want to look at how much money you want to have in retirement. So if you don't want a ton of money in retirement, then I guess you don't need to contribute a ton. But if you don't want to work after 59 and a half years old, then you're going to have to look at how much money you would need every year to be able to live your life and not have to spend or make any more money right. yeah, yeah um, i would say come out of nursing school try to probably like put as much money into your retirement accounts because then like you're going to be used to already that money leaving you're never going to see that money right yeah compared to increasing it later on because it's always easier to decrease it later on if you need that money compared to increase it because you're already starting at like a smaller balance so you're already going to be using whatever money you have right so let's say you bring in, in like a thousand dollars a week, week for example, and let's say two over two hundred dollars is, is going to to your to like your retirement account, right? It's better to start off that way instead of having a one hundred because then you're gonna be used to spending nine hundred dollars a week, and then you're gonna have to cut down again for the extra hundred later on, and you're better off you know cutting down your your investments and cutting down your spending cost, right? Definitely, and as you make more money, you want to be able to increase that as well. So if you always live at a certain means we're most of the time we're gonna get a pay raise it's really not a ton as a nurse (laughs) every year you get your merit raise or whatever um but if you always live at that beginning of where you started then you're always gonna have extra money to play with so you know invest it and then you'll never like you said you'll never realize that you actually don't have that money I feel like with travel nursing, sometimes we get such great checks that we don't look back to even like analyze how much we um, make, uh, how much we make money, how much we spend and everything else. So aside from retirement, how should you be saving maybe for the present moment, Um, like maybe like an emergency fund? Mm -hmm. What do you think is a great amount to save or how much do you put aside for something like that? Let's just say something were to happen to pull some money ASAP. So I always say at least three to six months of expenses. That would be honestly, I always like to round up. So if you want to keep living the way that you're living right now, look at how much your budget is without saving. Cause you don't want to include saving like while you're, you know, in an emergency, um, but three to six months expenses. So say your living expenses are around $3,000 a month, then you'd want to have between, so 9,000 and 12,000. So three to six months. Yeah, no, 18,000, 9,000, 18,000. Told you I'm not good at math. (laughs) Um, And I would start there and I would put that in a high interest savings account. Right now, the high interest savings account aren't really doing that great, but it's better than the 0.01% you're going to earn at your bank. Um, I use Ally. They also have, um, what's kind of cool is they have little buckets or envelopes. Um, 
in the account to where if you wanted to have your whole savings bucket in there and then you wanted to have like a travel fund. So say you had like $50,000 in savings and you wanted 20,000 to go to your travel fund and 25 to go towards your emergency fund and maybe 5,000 to go towards like a house fund or a car fund. You can have that all housed in your one account, but it'll have different buckets for each one, which is kind of interesting. Their app is really user-friendly. Um, other banks, I think just look at what, what their interest rate is. I think the, what I was getting before the pandemic and everything, um, was around 2.25% interest, which is great. Like, especially if you have a good amount in that emergency fund, you're going to earn a good amount of money. And obviously you'll pay a little bit of taxes on it, but it's better than earning nothing. And it will at least cover some of inflation. Um, cause an emergency fund is something you're not going to want to touch. Really. You're going to want to leave it over somewhere else. Um, I don't do great if my bank accounts are linked together because then I kind of see it every day and I'm like, oh, I have this amount of money. But if you have it away from you, then you're less likely to spend it. So, so if I'm like a new nurse or anybody that's out of school, you probably want to divide a little bit of everything, correct? You want to have some money set aside for emergency. Yep. And at the same time, you want to start tackling those high interest uh, loans, correct? Yeah, I would do the emergency fund first because whatever happens, like, you never want to be in a situation where you get hurt, you lose your income. Um, we saw a lot of nurses at the beginning of the pandemic, their hours got cut. Me being in peds, <clears throat> we, our census was really low. And so I was like, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to get paid. Um, so just seeing that that could happen as a nurse was a little frightening. Um, so that even just proved to me that emergency funds were even more important than what I had thought before. So definitely prioritize your emergency fund, maybe start at three months and do that. And then from there, then I would start tackling your high interest debt, get rid of those credit card payments. Um, and then from there, I would start <clears throat> increasing your retirement, maybe saving a little bit and then working on your lower interest debt. You do any okay. kind of investing? I don't. I am also not the type of person. One time I went, <laughs> I went to school in San Diego. I went to San Diego state. Um, and I went to a, uh, casino, spent $20, lost it. And I was like, mm, I don't, this is not for me. I would not be a good gambler. I don't like to lose money. Um, so I would like to get into investing. Um, my dad is pretty into it. And then my mom has done some like Bitcoin stuff. Mm. Um, so it's definitely something that you have to be okay with losing money <laughs> because you may. And so I wanted to prioritize kind of my retirement first and then kind of have some play money. Um, I definitely think that if you're in a good situation and you have the money to have like a little bit of extra money as play money, then investing is kind of fun and, and you can make a lot of money doing it. Um, but I have not jumped into it yet. Yeah. Well then with like saving money and putting money toward retirement, is there like anything else out there besides like a long-term savings account that you would recommend? Is it like, like, do you do with like, do you work with like money market accounts or anything like that? Or do you just do the long-term? Uh, I, I don't actually know very much like the CDs and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, no, I am very basic and I think the basics kind of work. And so honestly, if you're, I don't want to get complicated because like if you don't have an emergency fund and if you don't, if you're not saving for retirement, then you're already kind of behind. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I think people try to think too much about things too. And then they get themselves all worked up and they're like, well, I can't do this. So why would I even try? Right. Or I can't open this account. Um, so definitely, I, I would definitely just start with the basics and then um, kind of see, I think CDs, you can't take your money out for a certain amount of time. Um, I like things that are like, liquid. So, you know, high interest savings account, you can get it really quickly. Um, but retirement accounts, you got to wait until, you know, yeah. it's your time for retirement. You, you guys lost me a little bit there because I have no idea what you guys are talking about when it comes to CD. Uh, so th so, this, this just shows you that a regular nurse just maybe just doesn't know. Yeah. So <laughs> that really needs the fundamentals. So you're completely right. If you get your, your, your debt on point, a nice savings, and then a, a, a backup or like not a backup, but like a backup fund, that's really that's like a key foundation that not a lot of people have, but just having those three things mm -hmm. figured out is going to be life-changing. Mm -hmm. Allie, do you have like a specific, maybe other than yourself, of course, as a, you know, financial debt-free mentor, do you have like uh, books that maybe you recommend or somebody that you've looked into before that really helped you? Or your courses. Um, or, or your courses. Yeah. yeah. You do courses, right? 
Yeah. So I have two courses. One is on money mindset and one is on just the basics. So like debt payoff, basics of investing retirement, um, how to create a budget, um, a little bit of money mindset. Cause I'm very mindset focused. Um, and then I think there's a little bit on how to start a side hustle as well, just cause I'm all for multiple streams of income. Um, it definitely helps nurses and so many nurses are very entrepreneurial anyways. So, um, but let me look books really quick. I should have had a list of books. Um, yeah, for me, like my number one book that really opened my eyes was, which was like Rich Dad Poor Dad. Mm-hmm. That was like the um, the beginning to like investing and thinking about stocks or thinking about you know real estate and things like that. That really opened up my eyes. So the Latte Factor by David Bach is my number one favorite book. It's something I give to like all my mentees. Um, it it dumbs everything down and it dumbs down paying off debt and investing. And it just kind of shows you the power of knowing your money. Um, and then the other one is secrets of the millionaire mind. That's definitely a mindset book that I'm obsessed with. Um, and that's why T Herb Ecker, um, let me see. And, and I know, for example, you said that one of your goals is to retire millionaire, correct? So mm-hmm. Yep. What systems in place do you have in order to like achieve that goal? Do you like track yourself yearly to reach that goal? Like how obsessed are you with that? So I have a net worth tracker. And so um, I probably check it quarterly. Right now the market's kind of down anyways. Um, and I'm not like, so there's a whole movement called a fire movement. So it's like financial independence, retire early. And so those people are on a mission to like retire a millionaire, like as soon as they can. So I would be okay retiring as a millionaire at like 58, 59. So I have a good amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do track my net worth and I count assets as your retirement accounts and your savings account. I don't count assets as like a home or a car. There's some people that do, I just don't. Um, and then your liabilities are obviously any debt that you have. Um, so me not having any debt obviously my net worth will just continue going up, which is great. Um, but if I do own like investment properties or something, which is one of my goals in the near future is to, um, you know, get a rental. Um, that's kind of how you'll look at it, but I definitely suggest everyone track at least yearly to see where they're at. Um, because like I said, that awareness piece is so important. Where can you track it? Do you use like apps? Cause I have the mint app on my phone and that tells you like all, all those things as well. So I'm curious on what do you use? So you can account? upload your accounts onto personal capital. Mm-hmm. It's P-E-R-S-O-N-A-L capital. Um, so you can put it, all your accounts into there. Some of them don't link very well. So I don't love that. Um, but I just track it on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've also had fun kind of tracking it on that personal capital app. Okay. And you said uh, um, you have some experience with like nurse bullying. So I would love to, for us to, you know, talk about that and for you to share experience because whenever nurses deal with uh, specific situations like that, it's always good hearing a story referencing, uh, understanding that they're not the only ones that are going through this hardship. So I have kind of a interesting history as a nurse. Um, I had always wanted to be a pediatric ICU nurse and I kind of settled slash followed what other people told me to do in my nursing career. So I started out in like a medical surgical ICU, was there for about nine months and then moved and then did the coronary care unit and then did um, CVICU. So, and I did both of those for like a, I think CCU, I was there for a year and then CVICU, I was there for two years. Really wanted to do ECMO. Um, So every single ICU I had been in, I had experienced some sort of bullying. Um, I don't know if it was the fact that I'm definitely a peds nurse. (laughs) I'm just, that's just my personality. Um, But I'm also, I'm the type A ICU type nurse. I just have never been one to be mean either. And so I never kind of like got clicky or, you know, being, it's just kind of the women type mentality and nurses eat their young type mentality that we're trying to get away from. Um, so trying to think 
Um, but every unit that I've been in, other than pediatric ICU, I have been bullied. Um, whether that was giving me assignments that were too hard and then no one helping. Um, I feel like that was kind of a big thing in CV. So we were already kind of understaffed and um, they would give us assignments that were unsafe. And then from there, um, we just didn't have help or people, if you asked for help would kind of say that you're stupid or that like you couldn't handle the assignment and then you'd come in the next shift and they wouldn't give you the assignment that was harder. Um, or, and that was actually in both of the cardiac units that I was in. Um, and then there were, there was one situation with someone where I had asked for help and they were, they were telling me I was getting too excited about like what was going on with the patient. And I was just trying, like, I think the patient's naps were like in the thirties. And I was like, I'm just trying to keep this man alive. Like, please. Um, and they turned around and told me that I needed to calm down and I was being too excited over this patient. And that was the day that I decided that I no longer belonged in an adult ICU and that me caring for a patient and wanting to call the physician and get yelled at every single time was not for me. Um, and I think it was specific to that unit. I don't, I really don't think all adult ICU nurses are like that. Um, but I did make a post probably a year ago, kind of talking about my experience with bullying in every unit that I've been in. Um, and it, it always came from someone thinking I was stupid because I asked questions or that I didn't, because I cared a lot about the patients, I guess didn't like was freaking out or, um, so I, I want to say that it's, it's okay to care about your patients and it's okay to harass who you need to harass because that's patient safety. And, um, I think my voice has grown a lot, probably in the last year and a half, especially kind of becoming a, a bigger leader in my own space. Um, and I think if I would have spoken up a lot more, um, in the unit, maybe I wouldn't have had those experiences, but I think because I kind of just let people say what they were going to say, and I just didn't really respond to it, that I think that type of personality kind of gets bullied a little bit more. Um, and I don't, I don't think it's okay at all, but, um, that just was where I noticed that adult ICU was not for, not for me. Yeah. I feel like nurse bullying. I feel like when you first come in nursing as a new grad, I don't, I don't feel like there's so much bullying going on because the whole unit knows you're new. So they don't really think that you're knowledgeable enough to, to kind of grasp what's going on exactly. But then like, once you're like one or two or three years in, I think that that's when the bullying starts to happen because you already got that year under your belt. So that's when nurses are kind of not look at you as new grad anymore. And they're more, more willing or more prone to kind of telling you like how they feel and like what's going on or, or they're becoming more rude to you because they don't feel that, that, that guilt that comes with like a new grad nurse. You know, because as a new guy, you don't really know as much. But then once you get the year or two in, nurses, are, you're, you're expected to already almost know everything. And especially in the CVICU environment, you know, you know firsthand, um, you know how CVICU nurses are. They think they're the shit, you know, they think, they think they're, they're above all, really. But they're really not, you know. So they tend to butt heads and you got to be kind of more, more stern. And especially those more experienced ICU nurses, they're kind of... I want to say more, more relaxed when it comes to patient care, because they kind of know how much a patient could take on, you know, like some nurses are okay with a nap being in, in 30 for, for a couple hours, you know, but nurses like yourself aren't like, they want that in, in the sixties. I want that in the 60 now. So I feel like it happens more as, as like you enter like your first one and three years of nurse. And that's mm -hmm. when bullying kind of starts to happen. And like, it's kind of the subtle in, in the beginning. And then you got to get out of the toxic environment. It could be the unit, it could be the hospital, it could just be nurse, just that, like you said, it was, you weren't for adults. It could be that. And the typical path that I feel like every professor recommends is coming out of nursing school and then doing med search so you can learn how to do these tasks, learn these, these skills. But I think that's completely false. I think you should just jump into what you want to do right off the bat. Because why should you do med surge, you know, for one year to, to gain whatever experience you want? And then you're going to jump into like the NICU or the PTICU where it's going to be different. You know, I feel like you should really test the waters where you really want to go and go in first. And that's probably where you're going to learn because you're going to think, hey, maybe I want to do NICU. And then you try NICU for your first six months of new grad. And then you're like, NICU is not for me. I want to do adults instead of wasting your time in a med surge because that was like the recommended route. Mm -hmm.
And, that's and I think what, it's okay to. I think yeah. it's okay to change your mind too, because I was always told like, you should do CVICU, you should do ECMO, like you're smart enough to do this. And so I think it's okay to change your mind and be like, I don't, I don't really like that. There's so many different types of nursing and it's okay to switch specialties. It's okay to be like, I don't really like that specialty. Um, and I think a lot of times we're kind of made to think that we're either not smart or we, you know, failed because that specialty wasn't something that we really enjoyed. And I think that's false as well. And so I've had yesterday I posted because it was two years since I switched to pick you. Um, and I, I truly believe it saved my nursing career because I don't think I would still be a nurse if I was still in the unit that I was in. Um, Congrats, by the way. Thank you. Uh, and I think, hmm? I think a lot of new grads posted on it and they're like, you know, I want to do these specialties, but I feel like they keep telling me to do med surge. And I think it's going to take a lot of us reminding people that you don't have to go that route because it, I mean, it, you're going to learn how to be a nurse wherever you are and every specialty is different. And so I don't think that you can't be a new grad nurse in a certain specialty. Right. And I feel a lot of nurses, once they hop in a unit and they're there for like a year, they get really comfortable with, with that environment. If it's toxic or not, it doesn't matter. They just get used to that toxicity and that becomes their, their life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're all nurses. So we basically come out of school the same way. We have the same level of education and we're all smart, right? Just because you leave a unit doesn't mean you're not smart or you're dumber than somebody else. That unit just was not for you. And I feel like some nurses are, are fearful of that, that when by them leaving a unit, that means they failed. Well, you haven't failed anything. You're, you're still a nurse, except you're on a different unit doing different specialty. Like that's literally the whole thing of being a nurse. It's finding your little, little niche and doing what you want to do because you're going to be a nurse for the rest of your life. You're not going to be a nurse and then you're going to jump into a CEO of a company or you're going to jump into construction or, or plumbing. It's not, it's not how it works. You can't, you can't switch careers like that. But the beauty of nursing is that there's so many diff, different specialties, different areas, right? It's not like you're an electrician where you're going to be doing electrical work for the rest of your life. You're a nurse. You're going to be doing nursing all your life, yes, but you're gonna, you could be doing adults, you could be doing babies, you could be doing children, you could be working, you could work at the hospital, you could work at a nursing home. There's, there's so much different, different routes for you to take. And there's no reason why you should be stuck in one unit and hating your life and hating your job. Because mm-hmm. that just defeats the whole purpose of, of life, of living life. You gotta, you gotta live it, you can't be living in it, you know? Yep, definitely. And we definitely internalize things way too much where we take things personally, we think it's all our fault. And we just go home and we just think the same way, right? And that kind of like, that self-criticism kind of almost kills us. Uh, when it comes to the PICU, have you seen nurse bullying at all happen or there was a completely change of pace for you where you don't, that does not exist? Um, I haven't seen it as much. There's just, while it's still, I think it is in some, I've worked at not very acute PICUs was the other thing too. So it's definitely a different change of pace, which has been nice. Um, but I think it just depends on the PICU. Um, but I've been lucky enough to work in two PICUs that, you know, everyone has been great. So um, do people kind of have their type A, like want things done a certain way? Yes, because it's nice to you. <laughs> but I, I, don't, I don't think there's that like kind of backstabbing, like bullying type mentality as much as there is in you know, it'll ICU. Yeah. So how did you transition to a, to a different unit? Did you just quit one day or did you kind of ask your manager if you could try out a different unit and they give like a trial run? How did you go about that? So do you want to hear? <laughs> so when I went from, so my actual new grad job was in, um, it was like a step down. They like kind of lied and said it was like a progressive care unit and it really wasn't. And there was an ICU down the hall and they kind of recruited me at six months and they were like, you're really smart. You should come work here. So I talked to the manager got a job down the hall, was in that ICU for about a year. And then I moved um, to go live where my ex-husband was living. And um, I applied to Pete's PICU and NICU, didn't get in. So then I applied to CCU, like a medical ICU. And then I think I applied to CV as well, but I got into CCU. So was in CCU, they were doing some renovations. And so we actually were floating to all of the ICUs. And I'm the type of person that gets along with everyone. I'd probably be a great football nurse. Um, and so we were getting cross-trained in CV to take their post-op day two, three patients. And um, I got along with everyone, which is kind of interesting, got along with everyone. And then um, that manager was like, I really want you to come work here. I have a job like that I'm, that'll open for you. Um, 
do you want to take it? And I had hit my, I think it was almost my one year. And at that hospital, you had to wait a year until you could transfer. And so he's like, you know, you have to interview, but I'll hire you. So honestly, I've gotten most of my jobs from doing that. But then the pick you, I had randomly seen a position. It was right as I started working with Kat. Um, and I told her, I'm like, I hate nursing. Like, I don't know what to do. Um, I've always wanted to do pick you. And she was like, well, you know, see if there's any jobs. So I like looked and there was actually a pick you job. I contacted someone else that I knew. And I was like, Hey, will you mind just talking to this manager and just tell her how much I want to be there? You know, I've applied, you know, two other times. Um, and so I did talk to someone and then they ended up And then I think my manager found out and then he went and talked to them. Um, So definitely being a good employee and also just, you know, volunteering to do stuff and like shadowing and trying new things. I was definitely one of the first people to be like, yeah, I'll try that. Or like, yes, I will, you know, like help down wherever, you know, they needed help. Um, So that's kind of how you find where you like to work. Um, You're always, you're not always going to get the knowledge of the unit in like one or two days. Cause obviously I didn't fit very well in CV. And so I didn't know that going into it on um, just seeing them for a couple days, but I think just kind of take opportunities that are given to you. And I think that will help a lot. Now that so you have you've seen between like nursing with adults and, and children. Kids are much more resilient. Um, kids are much more fun. Um, what's super cool is like, you can have a kid that's really, really sick and they do like a lot better. Um, and you're bringing them toys and, um, you're like celebrating all the milestones. You print out pictures. Um, we had one kid that we like put pictures on all the walls. Um, we celebrate birthdays. Um, it's just more like patient centered and family centered. Like we really take care of the families, even with COVID, um, just making sure that they're taking care of providing a lot of education. Um, and I was just tired of having so many adults pass away and a lot of the adults like doing it to themselves because a lot of adults aren't healthy. And so I feel like with kids, obviously that that's also another issue in itself that there is abuse and neglect and that's very difficult, but a lot of kids, it, it just happens where it's an accident or, Um, so that to me is more rewarding. Um, and just to see them get so much better. Whereas the adults, like a lot of times, especially if you're in CV doing ECMO or if you're in CCU and they've had a STEMI, um, they might get better or it just depends on if they continue to like improve their quality of life or not, or you might see them back in six months or a year and they're just doing the same thing they were doing before. It seems like there's a lot, lot more job satisfaction from being a picky nurse. Just like hearing you, I almost want to just try it out just to see. And I, you know, I love kids. I love hanging out with them. Mm-hmm. Co- compared to adults, it's just not that same experience. Uh, because you've had all this, you know, nurse pulling and all this uh, experience, when it comes to going to different units, is there specific parameters that you look at to assess whether this culture is for me, this unit's for me, or specific questions that you ask during the interview process to assess whether this unit is somewhere I want to work? So now at both, so now that I've worked in two PICUs, one of the first questions I asked was, is there a nurse bullying? Do people bully each other? Um, have you gotten any complaints about, you know, other nurses being bullied? Um, how was the unit morale? I also asked that to other people. Cause I think I've gotten to like talk to some people. Um, and then the unit that I'm working in now just came highly recommended from other nurses that I've either met through Instagram or people that are my really good friends. Um, which is why I chose the hospital that I chose where I'm living right now, as opposed to some of the other bigger hospitals. Um, just their job satisfaction was really important. Um, in comparison to like, a name, a name of a hospital. Um, and then also just how people work together. So I also ask, um, do people help each other on the unit or do people have to ask a lot of, you know, a lot for other people to help? Um, kind of like what's the attitude? Um, and then also what are the ages of the people on the unit too? Cause I think that was also a difference, like where I came from in my older PICU, um, 
it was a lot of younger people. And then this new picky, it's like a combination of both. So yeah. And then if nurses out there are feeling, feel like they're being bullied out at work on unit, like you have to tell somebody, right? You mm-hmm. can't just ignore it and not tell the manager because you're not going to be the only one that, 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 that's feeling that way. Right. And if you don't address it, if you don't tell anybody about it, there's never going to be any kind of change, you know, because if you, you can't change, if you don't know that that's happening. Right. And the only way Definitely. it's going to, it's going to change is from the top, right? You got to change that, that negative culture, that negative environment. A lot of nurses are kind of just ignore the fact that they just like think that's, that's just what it comes with the job, but it's, but it's not true. Like you have to have a manager that's willing to understand and willing to listen and figure out ways to stop this. Is it just one nurse doing this? Is it the whole unit? What's actually going on? Is the manager bullying these nurses? You know, so people got to speak up too, because, because if you don't know, then we can't really do anything about it. And I so definitely I have, regret not doing that. Mm-mm. No, I mentioned it a couple times. Um, it was specifically a couple people. Um, and my manager did when I left, cause I still kind of talked to him afterwards. Yeah. Um, he said, like if, if I would have said something, he would have been able to do more. Um, but I just kind of felt like a burden too. And I was like, I felt like I was the only one who this was happening to. And, you know, I just felt like it was me. And like, like Matt said, like you kind of internalize it and you're like, you know, maybe it is me, maybe I'm not smart enough for this or especially being a woman. I feel like a lot of women kind of internalize a lot of stuff and are very emotional, um, in general. And so I think it's kind of tough, um, to, kind of feel like you're alone and then be like, well, what do I even say? Um, and so, and they t- were kind of the fav- more favorite people on the unit too. So then I was like, I don't, I don't even know who to go to that. I trust that I can feel like something's going to happen. Um, so, I mean, definitely say something right away. And I wish that I would have, and I don't know if I would still be in that unit um, if I would have said something. So right. obviously yeah, you can't yeah. hold people accountable if you don't say something now. Yeah, but it should be should be happening in the first place, you know. Yeah. Ellie, thank you for your story that you shared about bullying and thank you for side hustling with um with you know trying to get nurses out of debt. I think that's amazing. And it's great that we're building these little ecosystem communities of different nurses that are trying to do different things for you know, for nursing in general. Where can people find you? So I am at the underscore debt free nurse on Instagram and TikTok are the two places that I kind of hang out. Um, I was off TikTok for a while. It's been like kind of my fun, creative outlet. I'm not very creative, but I kind of like making the videos. <laughs> um, and then my website is www.savingwithoutsacrifice.com. Awesome. Hopefully someone wants to check you out and you have mentorship programs for anybody that needs help in the financial sector. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Allie. Thank you. Thanks, Allie. Have a good one.